Amen. Amen. We are not, we are not going to ask you to give here and then pay on the other side for your, for your sandwich. And then we also buying those big pots. I've already started buying them. They're big pots like this in Sam's Club. And also we're going to be having soup and chilies and stuff like that on the table. So when you go through, you know, that kind of stuff. So we're going to do it right. We're getting there. We're getting there. Our whole mind and goal is about you. We want to make sure that when you come in this house, uh, you know that's the place I worship. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Thank you so very much. Uh, I'd like to thank all the people who who making this possible. Thank, I thank God for my, my son-in-law who's uh, making sure we have the best sound system in the world. Amen. Amen. I thank God for that. We, we, have a, we have a brand new sound system. I may not, may not understand. That's why he's able to sit there and do it on a computer. And uh, also, you, you might not know, I have a, a, a new, new body pack with no body pack. Amen. Every, every, everything is changing. You can probably see all our new mics. No cords on the floor. All that kind of stuff. So we're, we are so grateful. We're so grateful for all the people who are working to make this happen. I got a son that's in St. Louis right now uh, who's making sure we're on podcasts. So if you're not, you haven't been checking our podcast, the message that you just heard here the last couple of weeks is already on podcast. So you can get that free. Amen. Thank God for all of the, all of the things. I, I was in my brother's office the other day, Brother Charles. He just showed me that he's able to have this little old thing you got. You can put 15, 20 messages on at one time. He's already working on a thumb drive. He gave, my brother right here got the whole series of the book Ephesians uh, on thumb drive. I think it was that eight, 57 messages on thumb drive. So we, 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 we want to make sure here we're serious about the word. Amen. Amen. We're serious about the word. All right, 2 Corinthians, thank you so very much for putting up with us. Now it's time for the word. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. We're going to start reading verse number 12. We're going to read that down to verse number 18. You can take your seats. The first word is seeing because that's what this New Testament is about. Do you see? All right, seeing then that we have such an hope. We use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses was put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remain the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. You may be seated. Father, we thank you now for uh, this word that's coming forth. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit, who have been given to us to teach us all things. Thank you for you here to teach us all things. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. And Lord, we know today that all things is the new covenant. And we give you the praise and the glory that you have given us the Holy Ghost who to teach us both the old and the new covenant. You have made us able ministers of the New Testament. We love you so dearly. Thank you for loving us and thank you for given us, Father, your Son uh, as a sacrifice for our sins. We give you the praise and the glory. And for our death and for our future, we bless you now. We praise you. We appreciate you in the precious blood and precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. So we're going to be talking about, as we talked about this morning, uh, we, we started last week on uh, the spirit of the Lord. So you need, we talk about the Lord of that spirit. But today, we're serious, is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. But today, we are talking about, Lord, take away my veil. Say that with me, Lord, Lord. take away my veil. Now, we gave you an illustration for those who might not understand what a veil is. 
when you do a wedding, you do a wedding, a marriage, you have a woman who comes to the altar, and some of you have seen that, and you see that uh, she has been veiled. All right, uh, that really means virgin. Okay, but that's what it means, veiled. That's why you don't see everybody wearing veils. <laughs> but anyway, I explain that when I do a wedding, okay? You might, you might not want to wear the veil if you don't know what it is. But anyway, that's what it means, okay? So usually when you see a, a bride come to the altar, you see a veil. Everybody do agree with, with the veil, right? All right, the veil also means virgin, but at the same time, it is the covering of a young lady who has never met her husband. So when she wears the veil, she's only somebody can take that veil away, she is saying, is the man I'm about to be married to. So what happens here when he comes to the altar, the man takes the veil and he throws it up in the air over her face. And now he took away her veil. So that's what we're using as an implying to, Lord, take away my veil. Now, we gave you some definition this morning. You need to get this morning teaching because we told you what the veil represents and we're gonna show you that veil is really the law. And so we wanna give you some idea. Let's go before we get into where, let's kind of update a little bit. Let's go back to Isaiah 25 and we're gonna look at uh, verse six and seven, the last two verses. And we wanna show you, the, last week we talked about the Lord of that spirit. And so many people, uh, it's, it's religious. They don't know they're religious, but they, they've just plain been religious. What I mean by that is, you think your salvation is based on your feeling. Your salvation is not based on your feeling. Your salvation is based on the word. And so when people don't feel something, they don't think they're saved. But you don't feel life, do you? But you got it. So you can't operate on your feeling. Your feeling is going to change on you. You have to operate on the word. You have to stay in God's word and have faith in God's word. Okay, that's what you must understand. So say that with me, Lord, Lord take away my veil. Now, there are three words I gave you what the veil is, what the veil does and how you can understand the veil. And this is why in Paul's teaching, he always talked about three words. One of them was ignorance, blindness, and hardness. So that word veil is an ignorance. Blindness, those words are a veil, and also hardness, hardness of the heart. Because anything that covers you, your heart is a veil. That's why the Old Testament is veiled. That's why I'm gonna teach you in this, I may do it today, I don't know, I'm gonna teach you about Jacob and his two wives. His two wives, his he had two wives. One was Leah, L-E-A-H, and also Rachel. Now, in the Old Testament, when God taught you Abraham, two wives, it means two covenants. So it has to be the same way it would be with Jacob. Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel, which mean two covenants. So Leah is the Old Testament. That's why he, she, was given to Abraham, she was given to Jacob first. And that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 45, 40, I think 45, you can check me out. It says, first the natural, then the spiritual. So you had first the natural. The natural means the Old Testament. And what we have to understand in this ministry, when we stop doing things, it was based on this principle. And so it's written the first man, Adam. See, that's why in the Old Testament, Adam was the first man because he was natural. And then after that, Adam was made a living soul, but the last was a quickening spirit. Now you have the verse there that says, first the natural, then the spiritual. Uh, there it is. How be it, that was not first, which was spiritual. Now he's talking about Adam and Christ. Okay, just like the Old Testament, New Testament. So that, that was not first which was spiritual, but that which is natural. So the natural was first, and afterward that which is spiritual. Just like it is with you. You have a natural Earl Crump, then you have a spiritual man. He's not, his name is not Earl Crump, his name is Christ. Okay, so Christ is the new man. Earl Crump is the old man. Everybody understand that? So that's why we must understand. First man is of the earth earthly, 
See, that's the first man. Then the second man is the Lord from heaven. So we have to understand the, the, the two men. Now, it's the same way it is when, I'm, when I deal with Jacob. Jacob had two wives, and his two wives. Matter of fact, while I'm talking about that, I just go on and teach that. I have, I, when you live by the Spirit, you have to know when the Spirit is saying something. Let's go back to Genesis 29, 15 through 30. You have to know when the Spirit is talking and not you. See, if, you don't, if I don't watch myself, I'll say, I'll get to that later. And when I listen to my tape, the Holy Spirit would say to me, I try to teach that then you put me off to the end. That's why you never got to it. So that's why I have to understand that, okay? Now let's look at that. It says in Genesis 29, verse 15 through 30, I just think I said, And Laban, Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, should thou therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now, I believe this is what Jacob's life was tremendously changed. And I talked, um, I talked one time going to Uncle Laban's house because I really believe that's when Jacob was changed. Jacob was a rascal, you know, that kind of thing. But let's keep the screen so I can move on. Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. See, I look at those two as two covenants. And the name of the younger was Rachel. Those are his two daughters. And the Bible said Leah was tender-eyed. Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. See, that's the new covenant, grace. And then it says, but you look at the, if you look at the flesh, he was tender-eyed. You don't need to fail for And Jacob loved Rachel. See, he didn't really want Leah. He loved Rachel. And he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your daughter, your youngest daughter. That's what he, that was the deal. But Laban said, it's not, it is better that I give her t to you because that I should give her to another man. You just live with me. I give you my daughter. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. Now watch what's going to happen. And they seemed unto him but a few days because he loved Rachel. He, he was there for only for one purpose, that's to get Rachel. But the Bible says he served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days, for he loved, I'm waiting on the next verse, right? Uh, and it says, and Jacob said unto Laban, give me my wife. See, it's seven years up. So now he comes and says, look, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. Remember, say that with me, that I may go in unto her. Now what happened at that time, they wore a veil. Think with me now. You're talking about women of the Middle East. They wore a veil, okay? Go in under her, that I may go in under her. Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. So he didn't let them just go in. He made a feast. He'll make them drunk first. Don't have a feast for them because they had to celebrate before he could go in. That's the cross, right? It came to pass in the evening, remember that's when Christ died, that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her unto him, brought her unto him, and he went in unto him, brought her unto him. Now, here it is, Laban is in his tent. He had been in the feast, not Laban, but Jacob is in, in the tent. He has been in the feast. He's already there, and he's already in a place where he has been drinking, right? They've been partying all day, so he's in his tent sleep. And all of a sudden, here come Leah with the veil over her face. Now, remember, it's already night. It's not like you got the lights of California. <laughs> Amen. It's, we, know, we know New York is the largest city. California the second city. Chicago the third largest city. You know all that stuff, right? Let's move on. Now, and Laban gave unto his daughter Leo Ziphyr, his maid, for a housemaid. Now, he, she got, a, got that and got a daughter. And he came to pass in the morning. Somebody say in the morning. In the morning. <laughs> Remember, he's already been parting down. So he know that was Rachel because that was the deal. Now he came to pass in the morning, behold, it was Leah. Somebody said she was veiled. She was right, it was Leah. And then he got up the next morning and said, what is this thou hast done to me? Did not I serve you for your daughter Rachel? Wherefore then... Has thou beguiled me? Somebody say he tricked her. That's beguiled. He tricked her. Tricked him. Laban said, it must not be so in our country, young man, to give the, f the youngest before the firstborn. 
I can't give you the youngest daughter before the oldest daughter. Fulfill her week. And we will give you also for this, for your service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. Now he doesn't have a choice. He's married, because once he went with her, he's married. He has married his oldest daughter. And yet he's staring at Rachel like, what am I going to do? <laughs> Jacob, did, joke, Jacob did so. And he fulfilled her week and he gave, he gave him Rachel, his daughter, for wife also. Now he had worked 14 years now. Laban, Laban gave to Rachel his daughter, Behar, handmaid, to be with her. Always when he got the daughter, you got the handmaid to go with the daughter. And he went in unto Rachel. He loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served him yet another seven more years just to get the second daughter. Now, he doesn't have no provisions yet. So if you continue to read that story, he got to stay six more years to get enough to take care of them. That's what he did. But I'm showing you this part and how he ended up with Leah because she was veiled. Let's, let's go to another one. Let's show you another one. I, I think you're ready to receive stuff like this. Let's show you uh, Abraham. And in Abraham and Lot. Now, I want to show you the same thing in Abraham, life, and Lot. So you go back to Genesis. Uh, it's going to be early. It's going to be like chapter 13. And you're going to go, chapter 13, you're going to see something going to happen there. In chapter 13... And let's look at the first five verses. Matter of fact, look at the first seven verses, then I'm going to skip to verse 14. Genesis 13, the first seven verses, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 14. I'm going to show you something happened. God has not spoken to Abraham, and since Abraham made a, God told Abraham he's going to bring forth a son. Now, at that time, Abraham was 75 years old. He had not heard from God. Let's find out why he has not heard from God. Abraham went out to Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, but watch what his problem is going to be. Lot went with him. Into the south, Abraham was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. So Abraham was a very wealthy person. Now, and he went out, went unto his journey from the south, even Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. There Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Watch what's going to happen here. And, and Lot, verse 5, and Lot also which went with Abraham had flocks and herbs and tents. The lamb was not able to bear them that they may dwell together, for their substance was great. So they had, could not dwell together. They had so much until they couldn't live together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of, of Lot's cattle. The Canaanites, the Perizzites also dwelt in the land. So we got all this stuff going on. But watch what happened. See, God could not operate in Abraham's life, although he had made a promise to him because of the strife between him and his nephew Lot. What was him to do? Now, what was Lot to Abraham? Look at somebody and say, he was the veil. Come on, look at somebody and say, he was the veil. See, the key was this here. When you got people who can't believe God and they are with you. See, you believe in God, but people who connected you is not believing God. That's why you do not go into a covenant for as a work covenant, a relationship covenant with somebody who don't believe God. Unbelief. See, you can't have that. That's why marriage is so important and it's based on belief. And see, so many people have been raised in churches where they've been taught the wrong thing. And they don't want to accept truth now because that's going to make all them people they believe lie. They lied. But you might as well get over it. A whole lot of folks lied to us. It don't mean they tried to lie to us. They just didn't know. But I got to move on now. Once you find truth, you have to move on now. All right? Now, that's why I tell people with, with baptism, for an example, 
people hear baptism and they've heard it so long that that's how you're saved. Then when you finally hear the truth, you don't want to believe it. God may show you can hear the truth so you can be saved. What if you die believing baptism for your salvation? You're going to hell. Plain and simple. What if you die believing communion is going to save you and forgive your sins? I'm going to show you this this morning that you would never honor law. You were saved by grace. That's why the gospel of Christ was the gospel preached to you. But see, you wasn't taught that. We wasn't either. So God has opened up this ministry uh, 34 years ago just to make sure we get saved. So we ought to be grateful. We ought to be grateful. So the first, the first thing I gave you uh, was Lot. I'm sorry, the second thing I gave you was Lot. But let's go to verse 14. Now, the first thing I gave you was, a, was also about the veil. How many can remember the first story I gave you? I talked about one man and two women. You can't miss that. Who was that? No, no, one man first. The man and two women. No, 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 no. I talked about one man and then two women. You, you, you hear what I'm saying? I didn't say Leah and Rachel. I said, what, what did I talk about? The first I talked about Jacob and two women. Because Jacob represents Christ in the picture. And then he represented the man. But he had two women. There was two covenants. All right? You had two covenants. You had Leah, the Old Testament covenant. You had Rachel, the New Testament covenant. Just like if you would have talked about Abraham, Abraham had two wives. Abraham, how many know Abraham, two wives? Some of y'all know what? Sarah and Hagar. The rest of y'all I pray for. Sarah and Hagar. All right? Hagar was the old covenant. Sarah was the new covenant. So you have to understand what God was doing uh, and what he was teaching them. Now we're going to Abra- a lot. It's, lot is, is with uh, Abraham, but he's the veil. Now watch what happened when the veil was separated from him. That's in verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham, after, remember God hadn't talked to Abraham in 24 years. So the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot was separated from him, if you look up the word Lot, it means the veil. So God didn't talk to Abraham until the veil was moved. See, you got to understand, there are people whose eyes are veiled and they wonder why God can't do nothing in their life. They can't believe God. See, they've been on a religion so long, religion taught you how to not believe. I don't think people understand. Religion teaches you what? How to not to believe. Faith, God's word teaches you how to believe God. Well, if you get in religion, religion teaches you how not to believe. So when you get otherwise, when you go to church all your life, you still can't believe God. If you don't have God's faith, you can't believe God. Religion is in the natural. We'll go back and show you that in the last verse, in verse chapter 4, 2 Corinthians next. Not now. Let's finish right where we are. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot was separated from him, lift up now your eyes. Wait a minute. Now he can see, right? That's what I told you, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 17, remember? Verse 17, we're talking about the eye of your understanding being enlightened. Well, why, why, was his, why can he now see? Anybody know why Abraham can see now? Lot's gone. The veil, the veil has been removed. See, there are people in your life that God will move if you let him and will help you to see. There's a verse that God gave me early in my ministry. And there were people, because we've seen this happen, this is our third move as ministry. And I went to the Lord about that because those people were with me when I started the ministry. And then when I moved to another, you know, I moved, this is our third move. And I would lose people every time, and I would lose ministers, and I lose people would go with them. And I go to God, and God gave me this verse. It was Isaiah 
No, I want somebody to find it for me. I won't, won't blow it. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Now, that's what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6, but I want to make sure it's in Isaiah 6. It says that, now you, you have to check it. It said, in, in the year King Uzziah died. It might be in the Kings, I don't know, but that, after that is when he saw the Lord. Now, I'm going to show you that you can have people in your life that keep you from seeing the Lord. Here we go. Isaiah 6 and 1. Okay, I, I, I thought I was right, but I'll have to double check, right? Now, here you go. This is Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was a prophet, and when you study Isaiah's ministry, his ministry was a woe, 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 woe. If you go back, I don't want to go back into the woes, but in Isaiah's ministry before that, it was woe, 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 and all that woe in his ministry is because he hadn't seen the Lord. His preaching going to change at chapter 6, verse 1. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died. See, King Uzziah, if you study King Uzziah, he was a very wealthy man, a man who, who was like General Motors. He had his own engines and planes and stuff. He was very wealthy. So Isaiah saw him and saw how wealthy and rich he was, and he took his eyes off the Lord. But the Bible said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. And, and when he saw him, he was sitting up on the throne, high and lifted up, his train filled the temple. That's all I wanted, that one verse. But the thing about it is God had to move this man out of his life before he could see the Lord. Now that's an awesome thing, how people are so into their own flesh they can keep you from seeing God. Because your eyes are not on the Lord, your eyes are on that person. There are people who can keep you from seeing the Lord. I'm going to be doing a teaching in this series on beholding the glory of the Lord. And you're not going to be able to see the glory of the Lord without getting some people out of your life. There are some people just not good for you. There are people who are destined to keep you where you are forever. There are some people in this life that you can meet and will take you forward. You can never be any greater than the people you associate with. So that's why when you're going to be around wise men, that means your future look real good. Somebody say amen. You cannot be around wise men and stay mediocre. You got to be around mediocre people to stay mediocre. So there are people who help you to your destiny. That's why there are some of you I have said to you in this service, not today, but I've said to you, you help make my ministry what it is. See, there are some people, some, God sends people to your ministry to really approve your ministry. Otherwise, your ministry would not what it says to me is this. I know my ministry is what it is because they wouldn't be here if it wasn't. Amen? There are some people can eat your cooking and approve your cooking because you know if that was not what it's supposed to be, they would not eat that cooking. You'll catch on. All right. But we're teaching on the veil and we're going to show you some things today how things will move the way. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Okay, okay, I got to do a lot. And the Lord said to Lot, watch this, after Abraham, Lord said to Abraham, sorry, after Lot was separated from him, lift up now your eyes, look towards the place where thou art northward, southward, and eastward, watch this, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. If you go check that out, God hadn't spoken to Abraham. Now Abraham is going to hear what God had to say again. And I will make your seed of the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. He heard the voice of the Lord. Now he said to Abraham, look, arise. Walk through the land in the length of it, the breadth of it. I will give it to you. He, he, he started talking to Abraham again. Abraham removed his tent. Came and dwelt in the plains of Mamre, which is Hebron and built there an altar unto the Lord. See, Abraham had heard from God. 
All this time, Lot was there, Abraham did not hear from God. Lot, when you look up the definition of the word Lot, it means the veil. So let, let me show you something. This is some things. Somebody said, when the veil is taken away. Yeah, see, when God removed that veil, you're going to be able to see some things. Somebody say amen. Now, now uh, let's go to verse 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13. I want to get some of that today. 2 Corinthians. Well, I want to do 2 Corinthians 4.18. I promise you that. It says, while we look, somebody says, seeing, Jesus. yeah, while we look not at the things which are seen. This is why we don't use a baptism pool in the church. That's why we don't use no communion. See, what people have been done, they've just been taught what that denomination teaches and they have come to a church which is non-denominational. We are non-denominational. We don't teach what denomination teach. If you teach what denomination teach, I don't care where you go, you're going to hear the same message. Because that's a denomination of the church. You are not in a denomination church. This church is led by the Holy Spirit. All right? Now watch this. Watch what Paul says. Now when I read verse 13, 2 Corinthians 3.13, then I'm going to read this verse. So I'm going to go back to 2 Corinthians 3.13 after this. But Paul said, why we look not at the thing which are seen? Now, what is he talking about? The, see, the things that are seen are natural. Come on, say it. The things that are seen are natural. So if I'm going to do the communion table, how many know that's natural? If it's natural, it's Old Testament. See, you have old things and new things. And the Bible says old things are passed away. Well, if I'm still doing things that's been passed away, how many know I'm grieving the Holy Spirit? No, you don't get it. If you're doing things that have been passed away, and that's what the law is, see, I, that's the first thing I gave you was the Lord in that spirit. Who do you think got rid of the old things? I'm going to show you in the Word right now. It's the Lord who got rid of the old thing, and yet people want to do the old things in the church. I did that for years. I've been in ministry 40 years. But when the Lord said, take it away, and he showed me that he took it away. If it's natural in the church, you can't use it. He took it away. Nailed it to his cross. And yet I was practicing it in the church. Water baptism make the word of God of none effect, lose his power, and yet people don't even care. Don't you want to be in a church that has power? What happened if you need to be healed? As a matter of fact, you cannot be saved without God's power. It takes God's power to save you. All right, now, now let's, go, let's go to work. Here, in, in, in verse 18, 2 Corinthians 4, 18, says, Why we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Now watch what God tells you. If, the, if there are things which are seen, they are temporal. The word temporal means Temporary. But the things which are not seen, they are eternal. Now, you must understand, this is how I knew when God wanted me not to do things in the church. If they are natural things, they are Old Testament things. That's why you have things. It keeps telling you things. Old things are passed away. Those are Old Testament things. The Old Testament things are natural. New Testament things are spiritual. That's why the New Testament things are not seen. That's why you have to have faith in the New Testament. You don't have to have faith to take communion. An unbeliever can take communion. An unbeliever can get water baptized. Don't need no faith for that. Because it works. I gave you Romans eleven six last week. How do you know when something's grace and it's not? From here, we're going to go to Romans chapter 3, verse 19. So you got to be able to know is something grace or is it works? If it's grace, it's no more works. If you're doing communion, that's works. If you're doing baptism in the church, that's works for people to be saved. Because if I didn't do them, you don't think people can be saved. See, that's what you think right now. They don't do water baptism. How are we going to be saved? Because you think you're saved by water baptism. Water baptism is man's works. Grace is not works. 
The Holy Spirit does not work. The Holy Ghost brings forth fruit. It's not called the work of the Holy Spirit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's the works of the flesh. And that's why God can't move in so many people's lives because they're full of work. They think they got to do something to impress God. You don't have to impress God. Christ impressed his Father. You don't have to impress him. In the New Testament, you don't have to, oh, don't drop your cup. In the New Testament, you do not, unless you understand what I'm saying now, don't drop your cup. Now listen to what I'm saying first. In the New Testament, salvation is not based on your obedience. Salvation is based on Christ's obedience. Do I suppose to obey the word? Yes, but that's not your salvation. So don't think you're trying to impress God because you're gooder than somebody else. I do better than somebody else. I don't do that. No, they do. It has nothing to do with your salvation. To whom much is given, much is required. You know better. That's why you ought to do better. But that's not your salvation. Your salvation is based on Christ. God, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So you don't have to try to impress God. He's only pleased with one man, that's his son. And the Bible told us that it was through Christ who made us accept it. God accept you because you're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, God cannot accept you. You are accepted in the beloved. You read Ephesians chapter 1 and all that good stuff. You'll see all of that. All right, now, uh, let's go now to 2 Corinthians 3. Okay, there it is. To the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he has made us accepted. He made us accepted in the beloved. His beloved is Christ. So God is not accepting you because you've been water baptized or you ain't been water baptized. He accepts you because you're in Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.13 says, Not as Moses would put a veil of his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end. Somebody said, see the end. Look to the end of that which is abolished. Well, what has been abolished? We're going to show you that. Go to Romans 10. Look at somebody and say, we're going to show you what's been abolished. Look at somebody and tell them, we're going to show you what's been abolished. Now, this is my point. If it's been abolished, why are you still doing it? Let's show you that, what has been abolished. Let's go to Romans 10, 4. Now, I know we got Romans 3, 19 out there. You, do, you did write that down, didn't you? One or two, amen. Praise the Lord. You did write down Romans 3 19, right? Okay, we'll go there a little later. But let's go to Romans 10 4. Let's show you what's been abolished. Christ, they could not see the end. Listen, they could not see the end. 2 Corinthians 3 13. Back, back to it again. I know, I know I'm going to put you through something, but let me see it again. 2 Corinthians 3 13 said they could not see the end. The end is not a distance, this end is a person. They could not see Christ. As long as the woman was here with the veil of her face, she could not see her love. She could not see the love of her soul. Her, her eyes were veiled. But when they took away the veil, she could see him. How many see what I just said? Right, right. I sister that. Did I do her wedding? Was that the one I did her wedding? Oh, wasn't her. Wasn't that daughter? The other daughter. Got four daughters. <laughs> I did two of them, didn't I? I think I did. Wait. Praise God. I thought I was going to get a chance to mess with her in the veil over there. Sorry. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, watch this. Not as Moses was put a veil of his face that the children of Israel could not stand fast and look to the end. Could not look to what? To the end. They could not see the end. The end is a person. Amen. When the veil is open up, you can see the end. That's Christ. What did he do? He, he put an end to all that which was abolished. Let's see what he was abolished. Go to Romans 10 and 4. That's where I was. What did he abolish? We're going to show you something that has been abolished. Christ is the end. If I'm going to go no further, you know who the end is. Because he's the beginning and he's the end. Christ is the end. Christ is the end of the law. Christ is the end of the law. What is the law? Works. Romans eleven six. 6, I just showed you, works. The Old Testament, works. 
natural things. So Christ is the end of the law, natural things, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Once you came into the New Testament, you stepped into eternity. You're not in time no more. Once you got born again, in the Old Testament, the difference between a man that's not saved and a man that's saved, a man that's not saved is, in etern- is not in eternity. He's in time. As long as you're in the flesh, you're in time. It doesn't mean that over here you're not in time, but you have to walk circumspectly, Paul says, redeeming the time. Because you have to understand something that your fleshly body don't have as long as your spiritual body have to live. Your natural body only has so much time left, which none of us know. But the spirit man is in eternity. Once you got saved, you are now in eternity. Let me say it this way. You are now in Christ. Christ is called eternal. Christ is eternal life. That's why you have to now walk by faith because you live in eternity. A man is not saved is still in the flesh. He's in time. Won't be long, he'd be dead. His soul would die and go to hell for eternity. See, in, in eternity, you have eternal death or eternal life. Both is eternity. If you stay in Adam, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse... See, that's when you should talk out. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 22. Thank you, sister. That's when y'all need you to talk. I don't need you to talk about them. If you don't know this word. See, either you're in Adam, you're in Christ. If you're in Adam, I'll die. See, for an Adam, I'll what? If you're still in Adam, you're dead. You're in the flesh. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So God made you alive when he put you in Christ. Can somebody get a little big hand for that? He made you alive when he put you in Christ. Not when you was water baptized. He made you alive when he put you in Christ. All right, now what I supposed to be doing? Anybody got my notes? See, that's why I can't trust y'all with my notes. Y'all look at me like, well, who am I supposed to be? I'm asking you. I've done, I've done 2 Corinthians 3.13. I gave you something else. We're going to compare with that. Romans 10.4. Thank you very much. That's why you have to write it down. Romans 10.4. And then we're going to go to Romans 3.19. Thank you. Romans 10.4, here we go. Christ is the end of the law. So you can't have law after Christ. Say Christ Christ. is the end of the law. law. How many know if you have Christ, you have got to the end of the law? You can't continue. That's what the word end means. It's nothing after this but Christ. Christ is the end of the law. So once Christ came, he came, he ended the law. To everyone that believeth. What, why did he keep saying law? Because that's works. By grace are you saved now. Not of works. Okay, now let's go to Romans 3.19. In Romans chapter 3.19, we're going to show you what has been veiled. We're going to also go to Galatia after this. Uh, let me make sure I give you where I'm going. Galatia 3.21-25. Write that down. Galatia 3. 21 through 25. I also write down Galatians 5, 1 through 4. One more you're going to write down, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Let you write down something, let you know where I am. Now we know, remember Paul, ministry, according to Acts 26, 18, is to open your eyes, turn you from darkness to light, turn you from the power of Satan to God, that you may receive forgiveness and your inheritance among them that are sanctified. That's Acts 26, 18. That is the ministry God gave the Apostle Paul. Now we know that whatsoever thing the law says, watch this, it says to them that are under the law. So God never told you, to, me, as a pastor, do water baptism in the church, nor did he ever tell me to do communion in the church. Never. How do I know that? The verse just told me. Now the thing whatsoever the law says, it says to them that are under the law. 
Well, we've never been under the law as Gentiles. We are not Gentile now because the Gentile, there's no Jew-Gentile church of God that we all want in Christ. There was Jew-Gentile and then the church of God. All right? But we know more Jews or Gentiles now. We are one in Christ. Now we know that was what Paul going to tell them. He said, now we know that whatever thing the law said is said to them that who was under the law. That every mouth may be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God. That's why God gave the law. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, shall no flesh be justified in his sight. You cannot be made righteous by the law. You cannot be righteous because you did communion. You cannot be righteous because you got water baptized. That's self-righteousness. God can't declare you righteous. You can only be declared righteousness by grace. Because it's God who justified you. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no man be made righteous in his sight. Nobody. So you look at all these people out here telling you they were water baptized and they're, they're saved. They're lying to you. Because you cannot be water baptized and receive God's righteousness. Read it again. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Watch why God gave you the law. He gave them the law because by the law is the knowledge of sin. We're going we're gonna to hold right there, put a comma right there. Put a comma right there. And we're going to go to Galatia 2.20, Galatia 2.19 and Galatia 3.19. We're going to read that to verse 21. Galatia 2, 19 through 21. Galatia 3, 19 through 21. Watch what this says. See, you've been lied to. Get over it. That's what happened to me. When I first got in this stuff like this and began to learn the word of God, I realized folks has lied to me. Just plain old lied. They didn't know what they was talking about. I could have, I could have been dead in my, in my grave for real. I, through the law, Paul says, I'm dead to the law that I may live unto God. In verse 20, I'm crucified with Christ. When were you crucified? With Christ. It's not hard to say what he said. I'm crucified with Christ. See, when God saw you believe in Christ's crucifixion, that's your crucifixion. His death is your death. His burial is your burial. His resurrection is your resurrection. His life is your life. See, you just can't have some of it. You got to have it all. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but it's Christ which liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live, this is how I live, by the faith of the Son of God. How do you live? I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, past tense. His love has already happened at the cross. He can't express himself no more to you. He has already told you he loved you. He demonstrated his life on the cross saying, I loved you. You got to accept his love. Somebody say amen. amen. The Bible says he gave himself for me. He gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, Paul says. Now, this is what I'm preaching of the grace of God, Christ's death, being and resurrection. Paul said, I don't frustrate the grace, of God, the grace of God. If righteousness come by the law or by me doing something, Christ is dead in vain. If righteousness came by the law by me doing something, then righteousness, Christ dead in vain. So in Galatia also 3.19 it says, Wherefore then serve the law? It was added. The law was added because of transgressions. Not you. You were not on the law. You have to be able to put the law to have transgressions. The law was added because of transgression to the seed. To seed. Galatians 3.16 told you who the seed was. Can you back up just a little bit to Galatians 3.16? Told you to the seed come. There's only one seed. There's no S on seeds. Now Abraham, now to Abraham and, and, the, and his seed was the promise made. God didn't make the promise to everybody. He made the promise to Abraham and to his seed, Christ. Christ received the Holy Spirit for us. So when we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. Now to Abraham to his seed was the promises made. He said not to seeds as a many, but as a one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Go back to verse number 19 again. Verse 20 now. 
and well, well then serve the law. It was added. Verse 19, yeah, I do that. Back to 19 again, and I keep going. Wherefore then serve the law, it was added because of transgression till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. The promise was made to the Abraham and to his seed, Christ. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator, talking about Moses. Now mediator, not the mediator one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid, or certainly not. For if there had been a law given, if God had a law he gave, which have given life, if he had any law that he could give, which would give life, verily righteousness should have come by the law. Why well, kill my son if I can give them a law and make them righteous? Why would I, why, if, if, if God can give you a law and wouldn't have to kill his son, <laughs> hey, I just gave you a law. But he couldn't do it. There was no law God could give that could give life. Christ had to give his life before you could have life. Somebody give the Lord praise. All right. Now, I, I, I got to go back to where I just was. Romans chapter 3. Uh, okay. Now we know that whatsoever thing the law said, it saith to them which are under the law. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. The law was talking to who? To those, to those who wanted the law. Everybody, watch what it says. The law was talking to who? To those Put it back up there again. If you don't, if you, if you don't act like you know it, then I have to stop and wait till you get it. Okay, I just can't go on. That's what people did to me. They didn't care that I get it or not. Just go on. I'm not going to do you like that. Now we know what's the other thing the law said. The law said to them that are under the law. Stop right there. Go to Romans 6, 14. See, the word of God told you the reason why you have people doing stuff they thought they were under the law. They're practicing law. You're not under the law. Romans 6, 14 told you that. And Romans chapter 6, verse 14 says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you're not under the law. Look at somebody say, you're not in the law. Sin cannot have dominion over you for one purpose because you are not under the law, but it also told you where you were under. I don't hear you. You're under grace. Well, if you're under grace, you can't be under the law. You're under grace. The word grace means the Holy Spirit. That's who Christ is, the grace of God. Go back to Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Let's continue. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, water baptism is a deed of the law. Communion is a deed of the law. Shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. By the law is the knowledge of sin. Keep going. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Christ was only one witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. One word. There's no difference. You are saved for one reason. When you hear the gospel, you believe it. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? God's righteousness. You need to write that in your Bible. It says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's righteousness. Nobody can measure up to God's righteousness. Christ had to come and fulfill his own word. Now he become the righteousness of God. And we can come to the righteousness of God in Christ. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace, like I told you, can only be made righteous by his grace. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption, the word redemption means what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. If you don't know, you need to learn some of these words. Being justified by his grace through the redemption, through the forgiveness that is in Christ Jesus. God forgave you in Christ when you received Christ. Whom God has set forth to be a perpetuation. What is the word perpetuation? Final payment. final payment. What is it? Final payment. final payment. Whom God has set forth to be a final payment. Christ is your final payment for sin. There's no more sacrifice for sin. Christ is the final payment. But I got to show you in the word of God that when God saved you, he saved you from the law, he saved you from sin, he saved you from death. There's no more death in you. There's no more sin in you. And thanks be to God, there'll be no more law in you when I finish. Amen. 
When I say I, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. My job is to get law, get law out of you. He got sin and death out of you, but the Holy Ghost is getting law out of you. Whom God set forth to be a perpetuation through faith in his blood. Somebody said faith in his blood. Faith. Yeah, that's how we got to say faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins is Christ's righteousness for the remission of sins. God gave his son, his blood, for the forgiveness of your sins that I pass, that I pass through the forbearance of God. So that's why you have to understand, to declare I see at this time his righteousness, that he might be just. He might be just and the justifier of them that believe in Jesus. Somebody give him praise in the house. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me, let me get, I got a couple of things I got to get here. Ooh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I gave you that this morning. You're going to get this morning tape. Uh, let's go to Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. I'm going to cover some big stuff today. Ezekiel chapter 37. This is what happened when Jesus died on the cross. And your Bible has probably taught you the valley of dry bones. At the cross, this is what happened. The people of the Old Testament was raised from the dead, and they were Israel. The people in the Old Testament was raised from the dead, and they were who? They was Israel. That's Matthew. Let me show you that Matthew 27. Two verses. Anybody know what they are? Matthew 27. Fifth and 51. Mark your Bible. Matthew 27. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Matthew chapter 27. When you get there, say amen. Jesus, when he cried with a loud voice, yield up the ghost, yield up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. He reached into the sanctuary because in, in that place of the temple, they were doing that day Passover. And they Passover was out there on the cross. They didn't realize they were killing the Passover on the cross and also in the temple at the same time. And when he died on the cross, he reached and got the veil of the temple and he, from the top to the bottom, and he rent it in two. It was a type and shadow of Samson. When Samson was on the stage, they went and got him to make sport like they did Christ on the cross, but they put him between two pole pillars. Jesus was between two thieves and he pushed down the pillars and he died with his enemies Jesus on the cross died for his enemies Samson died with his enemies how you know that pastor while we were yet sinners Christ died for us he died for his enemies Samson died with his enemies the Old Testament Always give you an opposite of what Christ did because he fulfilled the scripture. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, now I gave you something we're going to go to. Uh, Ezekiel 37. The land, the hand of the Lord. This is Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord was upon me. The Lord is the, is the Lord. So you have Lord God with the Holy Spirit. Then you have God the Father, Jesus Lord. So the hand of the Lord was upon me, carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. Can you see different? He carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. See, it's just like Pastor Crump is today. Not looking at you as spiritual. If you was all not saved and I, I was here preaching, I'm in the middle of the valley of dry bones. If nobody was saved. You understand what I mean? They was in the Old Testament, nobody had the Spirit. In the Old Testament, they did not have the Spirit. They was only given the Spirit for service. I'm waiting on my next verse so I can continue. I can't do it until you put the verse. He caused me to pass by them, those bones, 
round about, and behold, they were very dry. They were very, very many in the open valley, and they were very dry. They were very many bones, he remembered. He said they were very dry. And the Holy Ghost said to him, Son of man, can these bones live? Now, this is a type of Jesus Christ in his ministry, how he came and preached to people for three and a half years. They were like dry bones. But he know when he get through preaching, somebody gonna get saved. Ooh, you ain't saved unless you hear the preacher. Preach, Reverend. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And, and, and Ezekiel says, and I answered, oh Lord God, that's the Holy Ghost. Somebody says, Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, you know, you know it. And again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Preach to the bone. Say to the bone, oh, you dry bones, you hear the word of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can't you see that man out in the middle of the valley bone? They think he crazy. He said to me, prophesy to these bones. Say to these bones, oh, you dry bones, and wait on the next word. And they wait on the next word. Thus said the Lord God, he said, unto these bones. Behold, I will call breath to enter into you. How is it going to happen? By the preaching of the word. Ain't going to happen because you don't water baptism. It's not going to happen because you took communion. Somebody had to have the Holy Ghost who was able to preach the gospel of Christ, the power of God. Thus said the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will call breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will lay sin you upon you, and I will bring you, bring upon you flesh upon you, cover you with skin. I want to put breath in you. You're going to live. You're going to know I am the Lord. Hallelujah. So I prophesied. Hear you? So I prophesied. I prophesied as I was commanded. And I prophesied. Somebody say he was preaching out there. Yeah, he was preaching. He prophesied. The Lord kept telling him, preach, preach, keep preaching. You don't see nothing. Preach the word, Timothy. I don't see nothing happen. Just keep on preaching. There was a noise. Woo-hoo-hoo. He said, something about to happen because I can hear a noise. And all of a sudden, there began to be a shaking. Somebody bumped somebody and said, said keep on preaching. Yeah, there was a noise, and then there was a shaking, and then the Bible said the bone began to come together. Bone began to come together, the bone. The Holy Ghost began to magnetically draw them together, bone. And he said, when I looked, low sinew in the flesh came up on them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. No breath, no breath. How many know how we gonna get breath in these bones? I'm gonna keep on preaching. Because when you're preaching, the Holy Ghost keep moving. Somebody say amen. amen. You don't see it happening in your house right now. Keep on preaching. Amen. You're not going to get it done by fussing. Listen, I've been married 50 years in Christ. I was the chief fusser. Couldn't nobody fuss better than my wife. Couldn't nobody fuss better than me. We used to fuss all the time. But we learned it didn't work. Somebody had to stop fussing and start preaching. Somebody had to stop fussing and start praying. Hallelujah, glory to God. Then he said to me, prophesy to the wind. Mm. Wait a minute, what's what women? Don't prophesy to the bone no more. They have, you done what you had to do. Change your vision. Begin to look up. Prophesy to the wind. Prophesy, son of man, say to the wind. Thus said the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath. This is what Moses did that night when the Red Sea opened. Breathe upon these bones. Breathe upon these bones, upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. Breath came into them. They lived. They stood up on their feet. Exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried. Our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Therefore prophesy, say to them, thus saith the Lord God. Behold, O my people, I will open your graves. You ain't seen nothing yet. 
Hallelujah. Lazarus, come here. I will open your grave. This is what Jesus told him. He said, when I come, I'm going to open your graves. I'm going to cause you to come out of your graves. And I'm going to bring you into Jerusalem. I'm waiting on the next verse. I'm going to bring you into the land of Israel. And you're going to know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, oh my people. And I'm going to bring you out of your graves. Get ready, Job. I'm coming at you, boy. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you're coming out of there. And I'm going to put my spirit in you. And you shall live. And I'm going to place you in your own land. I'm going to put you right back in the promised land in Jerusalem. Then you're going to know that I am the Lord has spoken it. And I will perform it, saith the Lord. The word of the Lord came to me again saying, oh my God. Oh my God. Can't you see the man out there said the Holy Ghost ain't through talking? The word of the Lord came to me again and said, Son of man, take your stick. Right up on the stick for Judah, for the children of Israel, his companion. Take another stick, right up on the stick. Joseph, the stick of Ephraim. For all the house of Israel, his companion. Just right on the stick what I tell you. Join these two sticks together, one stick to one stick, and they should become one in your hand. Looked like the cross to me. When the children of Israel, the children of your people shall speak to you saying, will you not show us what thou meanest by these? Give us a sign. Say to them, thus saith the Lord God. Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in your hand of Ephraim. I'm going to take the tribe of Israel, his fellow, and I'm going to put them together. I'm going to make one new man making peace. Somebody give the Lord praise. I'm going to make one stick. I'm going to take a stick and I'm going to put it in the ground. It's going to go up, but I'm going to put a stick going left. I'm going to put a stick going right. I'm going to connect two sticks together and I'm going to bring you to me, said the Lord. Somebody get a Lord praise. Come on, I'm done. Come on, I'm done. Get a Lord praise. Somebody get him praise in the house. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.